the week of weeks. Number two, the song that said it all. It's Tuesday in Holy Week. Already in our thinking, we have considered the long view from the Old Testament scriptures, and in particular, the prophecy of Isaiah 53 and verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. Today, we want to consider the song that said it all. That song is Psalm 110, which reads, A Psalm of David. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. The Lord sends forth from Zion your mighty scepter, rule in the midst of your enemies. Your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power, in holy garments, from the womb of the morning. The Jew of your youth shall be yours. The Lord has sworn, and he will not change his mind. You are a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will shatter kings on the day of his wrath. He will execute judgment among the nations, filling them with corpses. He will shatter chiefs over the wide earth. He will drink from the brook by the way. Therefore, he will lift up his head. The Gospel writers begin Holy Week with Jesus arriving in Jerusalem in royal procession as a king, riding on a donkey. What an unlikely king. Jesus will be enthroned, not in pomp and circumstance, but on a cross of shame and suffering. The euphoric welcome of Palm Sunday would soon give way to rejection. We will not leave this king to reign over us. The crowds bayed at the end of this week. But on entering the city, Jesus goes through the temple. It's a deeply symbolic action. God coming in person to the place on earth set apart for him. God's house, the temple in Jerusalem. What did Jesus find? A deep malaise. He observed, My house shall be a place of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. Jesus directed his indignation against the temple authorities, the religious elite of his day, whom he accused of making money, fleecing people in their quest for God. Such was his abhorrence at this state of play. In his house, he drove out the sellers and money changers. He turned the tables. The reaction from the religious elite was swift. They sought to destroy him. This was a fight to death. On the one hand, the powerful temple Authorities seeking to maintain the status quo, and on the other, the popular messianic figure of Jesus of Nazareth, who was in their minds dangerously out of control. And it's Luke among the Gospel writers who adds 
Jesus was teaching in the temple daily and the people hung on his very words. There's a battle going on for hearts and minds. That Tuesday of what we call Holy Week was intense. Jesus did not sidestep the conflict with the temple elite. When pressed by them about his authority to say and to do the things that he had done in public, Jesus directed three parabolic missiles at his opponents. He told three hard-hitting stories, which Matthew records in chapter 22 of his Gospel. The story of the two sons, the story of the wicked tenants, and the story of the wedding feast. Aware that these stories were directed against them, the religious elite plotted to entrap Jesus in his own words. And so they played a game of subtle cards, of asking Jesus about contentious issues, paying taxes to the Roman overlords, the issue of resurrection, do people live after death? And which was the greatest commandment to live by? And having endured these subtle challenges with great dexterity and patience, Jesus turns the table on his opponents and he asks them the question, what do you think about the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one? Whose son is he? And as expected, they answered from the scriptures, the son of David, that is Israel's greatest king and psalmist. Then came the surgical cut from Psalm 110, a Psalm of David. If then David calls the Christ Lord, Jesus asks, how is he his son? In other words, how could David's son be greater than David himself? Unless... But the question was done. And Matthew asks, no one was able to answer him a word. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. Verse 46 of chapter 22 of Matthew's Gospel. What does this all mean? The riddle of Psalm 110 was simply this. The song said it all. The prophecy of David, spoken and written a thousand years before the events in the temple on that Tuesday, had come true. Jesus was in the royal line of David. He was David's son in one sense, but he was also David's Lord, greater than even the greatest king of Israel, seated at the right hand of God the Father. Knowing that he was God's right-hand man enabled Jesus to face down his enemies, 
and to walk into his destiny knowing that he was the son of the father, the beloved son of the father, who after the ordeal of death on the cross would be raised to the power of an endless life and welcomed at the right hand of the father. Here, during the week of weeks, Jesus was destined for his father's right hand. And he acted as his father's right-hand man, defeating sin and its consequence, death on the cross forevermore. Jesus sits on the throne of the universe. The question for us, do we acknowledge his rule in our lives, in our church, in our world? Or like the religious elite of his day, do we refuse and reject him? One day, a coming day, a New Testament song of Christ's glory, written by Paul to Christians in Philippi, says, each one of us will answer to him and by the knee. The song says it all.